Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday Morning Blitz for NFL Week 15. It is I, Jackson Roberts. It is he, Kale Clinton. Mushroom hat galore. Looking positively psychotic over there. <laughs> Kale, great to see you. Uh, missed a week last week. My fault mostly, to be honest, because Nolan Hughes was here and I was like, oh shoot, I have to take Nolan Hughes to the airport. Uh, and then the week got out of hand because weddings and jobs and stuff. It's crazy, man. But that just means we have double the football to talk about today, so... On that note, how are you? I haven't seen you in two weeks. Been good. Been good. Coming off a, a fun little family Christmas party. Uh, tough to monitor uh, football with a with the weight of a night's worth of Christmas cheer and uh, whiskey, Moscow mules uh, weighing you down. Uh, but we persevere. We strive, and it was nice to kind of get microdosed football all weekend. Uh, just games on games on games. That Saturday slate sneaks up on you every single year. You never know when they're going to make the transition. Frankly, I didn't know Lions, uh, Lions Broncos was happening until it happened already, uh, and then had to go back and take a take a quick little peruse through the highlights. But God, good week, good week for football, good week for holidays. Really is. We've we've got too much holiday football, one could argue, coming this week. With Christmas being on a Monday, that just opens Pandora's box because you know they're not stopping the Saturday games. That's a staple from here on out until the last week of the season. Then they've got Christmas Eve Sunday, so they can do whatever they want with that. Uh, are you excited, Kale, for uh, Christmas Eve primetime? Broncos Patriots. No, Jackson. How dare you. <laughs> I know you dampen my Christmas cheer by uh, reminding me that that was happening. Well, it's going to be better than last year's Broncos Christmas game, one would have to think. Maybe not, because uh, Patrick Starr had his moment in the sun last year. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot to take in. Christmas Day itself, we've got Eagles-Giants to look forward to. So uh, much Christmas cheer to uh, showcase throughout the league. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, because – a lot still happened this past week that we have yet to break down, and it's a it's a shame, Kale, that we couldn't get Nolan Hughes back for this because a few weeks ago we headlined the show with uh, Nolan Hughes' disappointment. How about a 31-10 home win over uh, what many were calling the second-best team in the NFL coming out of last week, the Dallas Cowboys? Dominant fashion. I, I kind of just want to leave it at that and see you know what impressed you the most from this game because I have my answers, but – you could pick from any number of things with the Buffalo Bills yesterday. Anecdotally, what impressed me most about this Buffalo Bills team is that without fail, this team cannot win with expectations and cannot lose when doubted. I mean, this this felt like the first real time where everyone was like fully out on the Bills, even when they were six and six and kind of middling around the league. They were they were DVOA records saying they were one of the best 500 teams in NFL history, uh, what have you. But just this game was so awesome. Uh, like a really impressive effort by Josh Allen at the podium, 
94 uh, total passing yards and a touchdown saying it felt like I got I was in a group project where everyone got VA and I did nothing. Uh, very funny podium quote. James Cook. I mean, hats off. So impressive. Uh, that little player he's working out of the slot, absolutely running over a Dallas defense that's been pretty solid against the run and held up their end of the bargain against some really, really strong rushing teams. I, I mean, just the week prior, like matching up against Philadelphia, holding them to about four yards a carry, like holding DeAndre Swift to 39 yards on 11 carries the week prior and getting beat on some, you know, Jalen Hurts scrambles or Kenneth Gainwell work. But, like, we're pretty stout against a run on a run-heavy Eagles team. And then this week, 266 yards on the ground for Buffalo. I mean, very – uh not not to the fullest extreme, but almost Patriots-esque in the uh, – in the one win game in Buffalo weather wasn't great. Like I'm now seeing stuff where uh, on, on first take about how deck Prescott has played himself out of the uh, MVP conversation, which I think is a little brash and also does not do the proper service to a deep, deep Buffalo defensive Leonard Floyd, Jordan Phillips, Tyrell Dodson. Uh, like, just a a ton of dudes getting after it. Taylor Rabb, the ta- uh, tackle for loss. Greg Rousseau getting in the mix. Like, just so many. Like, that's been the biggest strength of this Buffalo front seven is that their entire second line on the defensive line could be a starting line for anyone else in the league. And at points, it's it's been an indictment to say, oh, yeah, this group has – I uh, how many times have we talked about that? They've just failed so often to draft uh, replacement-level defensive line talent. Uh, they've burnt so many high-end draft picks trying to, like, keep this group young. But then you just see this platoon system, and you think, like, maybe this is going to be good enough to take them deep into the playoffs. It flips back and forth a lot. With the, with the Bills in, in pretty much any uh, metric. I <clears throat> Before, like, properly giving them all the shine that I think they deserve, I, I the one question I want to ponder with the Cowboys is is kind of the main talking point going around, like your mainstream media with them today. But I do think it's worth actually really dissecting a little bit because 7-0 at home, 3-4 and four on the road, same exact thing last year. They are clearly a very different team in the friendly confines of uh, AT&T stadium with all their 90,000 sprinting into the stadium fans versus uh, at, you know, in a tough hostile environment, must win game granted all these things for Buffalo, but you're going to have to go on the road now in the playoffs. It seems almost preordained that the Eagles have two giants games left. And I think the, uh, the wizard magic kind of finally ran out yesterday on uh, our Italian Prince, Tommy DeVito. So Unless you find a way to snake that one seed, you're looking at, you know, on the road in Philly and or on the road in San Francisco as your road through the AFC to the Super Bowl. And I don't know if Dallas has that in them because 
their defense just has like an extra charging bull type of gear at home. They, you know, they're the aggressors. They stop the run. They get after the quarterback. Yesterday they did none of those things. And I've got two years of evidence that says it's a home road thing at this point. So I don't know. Talk talk me out of why it shouldn't be a home road thing for Dallas after what they've put on display for the past two years. No, it should be. It, it very much should be. Uh, Scott Spratt, a uh, former football outsiders dude. Uh, That's a title. Uh, fantasy guru now over at FTN. Uh, still doing fantasy stuff, but wrote a DVOA column last week, basically just breaking down the home road splits. And it's here's the paragraph I'll pull from. Prescott and the Cowboys have played drastically better at home than on the road this year. Prescott has completed 74% of passes at home, but just 63.5 on the road. He's averaged 8.5 yards per attempt at home, 6.8 on the road. And he's thrown 20 touchdowns to two interceptions at home, eight touchdowns to four interceptions on the road. Just to add a little insult to injury here, Prescott threw less than 66%. I'm not doing that math off the top of my head. 3.9 yards per attempt, zero touchdown to one interception. So it got even worse this Sunday. Uh We've lost all three early season Cardinals, 49ers, and Eagles games on the road. And four of their five games in their current winning streak are produced by the bulk of recent offensive fireworks at home in Dallas. Uh, Now, you get into the fact that NFL's a short season. Schedule gets pretty random. You can't, you know make too many major assumptions about home road split. So it gets a little dicey there, but you'd have to really think that at this point, there's something weighed by home road scheduling, but there has to be something of substance to take away from here. Uh, Like really in a, Dallas team that feels as good as it's been in recent memory offensively, defensively firing on all cylinders, even without Trey Diggs. They've got to win a they've got to win a road playoff game, and I just don't trust them to. I don't either. And- it, it's it's very much it's very much guilty until proven otherwise here. Like I I cannot cannot trust this team to win on the road until they physically show me they can outduel a like really good road team. I'm Miami next three will be a good test. Exactly. That's, you know, it's it's the beauty of this game sometimes is it immediately presents, you know, exactly the the, the trial by fire that you're looking for. And I, I think Miami should have Tyreek back for that game. They have been a complete, they, uh, you know, they're the AFC's Cowboys. They've been a completely different team at home, barring that Monday night disaster against Tennessee than they have been on the road all season. So I, somehow that game's going to tell us everything and nothing about both teams because it's like it's proving one stereotype and disproving another or vice versa. Uh, so I really I'm, – I'm looking forward to that one, but then we're going to get over our skis talking about that one next week, and it's going to be great when somebody proves us wrong in the playoffs. Uh, oh, yeah. but, Unbelievable job by Buffalo yesterday on many fronts. Uh, and we'll come back to James Cook because I, 
I'm flabbergasted, frankly, by the difference in performance, you know, from the Bills run game this year to the past like couple of years when we just couldn't find a lead back, you know, unable to establish like there were times when we thought they could run and wouldn't. And there were times when we were sure they couldn't in the past couple of years. And now it's completely flipped to the point where they'd be silly not to because they become so dominant in the ground game. And I see a lot of running backs on the fields on uh, Sunday, and I see a lot of offensive lines too. And when you watch, you know, Twitter highlights of Najee Harris running straight into the back of his own offensive lineman, or you watch, you know, an entire day where the Jets, you know, take 40 minutes to move the ball four yards, uh, and Brees Hall, for all the talent in the world, can't find an inch to run out there. And James Cook just comes out in the afternoon slate and makes it look so unbelievably easy. And they're pushing him for three extra yards on every play. And they are just firing up that crowd. And he's cutting on a dime and putting Stephon Gilmore on his ass. Like, that's that's the scariest part of this Bills performance for me, bar none. Because I don't – if you can do that in January, especially if they find a way to snake a home game in Buffalo at some point, like, that's that's a huge formula. And it also mitigates any turnover risk you have with Josh Allen and allows him to just be, you know – creative playmaker Josh Allen on the plays he needs to. So a lot of a lot of positives there. What's fascinating to me is depending on where you look, it's there's different stories. Uh D, uh DVOA has this specific stat for run blocking called adjusted line yards. It's based on regression analysis, adjusted line yard formula, take all running back carries and assign them responsibility to the offensive line uh, based on, like, if they get a run for a loss, it's 120% the line's fault. Zero to four is 100% the line's responsibility. Five to ten is half the line's responsibility, and 11-plus is all running back. Uh, and then it's boiled down, like, by situation, opponent, and distance, uh, and then creates – all these different rushing averages to create a holistic measurement of how good the offensive line is. And the bills are second in adjusted line yards behind only the Detroit lions. But if you go to PFF and just look at their run grade versus their run block rate, bills are fourth in rushing grade behind the Niners, Cardinals and dolphins. And they're 14th in run block grade behind teams like the Patriots, Commanders, Seahawks, uh, and a couple of the teams that I'd already mentioned. And and the Lions, just for comparison, are second in run block grade. So there is some translation between uh, adjusted line yards and run block grade. But like you're kind of getting drastically different stories. Some of this is completely putting the credit on James Cook and saying that He's been absolutely crushing. And some are saying, like, the line is, like, the line is objectively good, but it's not great. So there's, like, a lot of interesting pieces kind of getting floated around in here. And there's a lot of a lot of credit to be given out to this group. And it's not just, you know, it's not just Josh. It's not just Stefan Diggs. It's not just this team's ability to kind of get it done. There's a lot more pieces than we've been willing to kind of give it credit for. Yeah, what's interesting to me about the James Cook piece of all this is we watched that, 
it was Monday night, right? It was the game they lost to Denver where it wasn't yeah. just him, but the whole team was fumbling over and over and over again. Uh, and even on the drive where they go to score the uh, touchdown to take the lead, he like fumbles it and dribbles it to himself and then picks it up and runs for an extra 40 yards. And I remember thinking like, I mean, yeah, this dude, this dude's having a fumble problem tonight, but when he's not fumbling, he is rather explosive running for nine, 10 yards per carry. And then smash cut to yesterday I'm on the plane watching Rams commanders and I'm seeing the exact same thing from Kyron Williams, who is another like unbelievably explosive running back at the moment could win anybody their fantasy league also fumbles twice and kind of keeps the commanders in the game aside from, you know, the fact that Sam Howell is unable to move the ball until there's, well, actually no, Sam Howell doesn't move the ball because Jacoby Brissett's the guy that almost brings them back in that game. That's a nice feather in uh Kale's cap. It's been a big Jacoby Brissett supporter the last couple of years. Uh, but I think it, if anything, this is all to say, like, I think the value of Christian McCaffrey keeps skyrocketing because I think you would say like James Cook and Kyron Williams very well could be the second and third best running backs in the game right now, at least for like fantasy and explosive yards purposes. And they got fumble issues and he doesn't. So I'm curious to see like if if like the fumble regression happens at all or if it's just completely random that those two guys had fumble problems in the past few weeks because – other than that, like if you if you don't get any fumbles out of those two, they could be complete game changers in the postseason. I do just want to pull up quick because there is a difference between a fumble problem, like just purely coughing ball up, and fumble luck, which is how often those fumbles end up getting recovered. And just offensively, RBSDM actually tracks this. And this is currently organizing my red zone trip. So Buffalo, just for example, has 11 fumbles on the year, which isn't super high, puts them 25th in the league. But their fumble recovery rate is 36.4, which is the fourth lowest in the league. And that's just abysmal. Like uh, Los Angeles is even lower where they offensively only have five fumbles. I think that's just behind Seattle for one of the fewest rates in the league or, or fewest totals in the league. And even then, they're only recovering 40% of them. Like, they're barely recovering fumbles. It's just a it's a little interesting wrinkle on recognizing that these are good teams that are good and responsible with the ball but almost held held back by even in the few situations they do make mistakes, they're losing the coin flip on getting it back. Does that Rams one include the two yesterday is my first question about the, the fumble luck metric, which I do completely agree with. And it's also another reminder of sample sizes. Pretty, pretty insignificant here in the grand scheme of things. 100%. I... I am checking and moving the slot down to 14 to see if the numbers change. Yes, that does include week 15. So there you go. I mean, they were they were even better, and then all of a sudden they cough up two yesterday, and the only thing I worry about is whether Williams is putting something on tape that there's like a certain tell where you can punch the ball out under certain conditions. So I'm not like yes. super worried about it, but he's awesome, and that's the one, one bugaboo with the Rams because I think – I've been really excited watching the Rams the last few weeks. I think, spoiler alert for another topic, they might be the only 
close to 500 NFC team that I have any interest in seeing in the postseason because there's there's some good stuff there when you get to watch them almost beat the Ravens and then curb stomp the Commanders for three quarters. Do you want to do you want to just get into that to make a clean transition? Because I I don't have too many qualms with the Rams being the only wild card team we see in the postseason, but I don't. I just want to go through and make sure. Because we've, how many times have we talked about mm-hmm. like the NFC is a four team race? Who cares? Like, I we can fast forward through wild card weekend. It doesn't really matter. Blah blah blah. Like, I'm not gonna be that big a sicko. <laughs> I'm Tampa Bay's sure. frisky. Tampa <laughs> Bay's frisky. They are. We talked about them earlier in the year that this is a team that can play strong defense, has a bona fide, like, borderline Hall of Famer in Mike Evans. Uh, at this point, he has never had less than a 1,000 yards receiving. Hell or high water. Jameis, Fitzy, Baker, Tom Brady, doesn't matter. He's getting a band. Uh, Rashad... Uh, God, uh, who's the running back? I'm not like Rashad White was straight up the worst running back in the league last year by most metrics. Him and Leonard Fournette were the two worst running backs. Part of that is because they're super banged up on offensive line. They've they've got a pretty big dearth of talent uh, on that offensive line and were really injured last year. They're a little bit healthier this year. Rashad White's kind of popped off. It was why I was very high on Sean Tucker uh, as a UDFA trying to like sneak his way into an RB2 role, uh, maybe take over as an RB1, uh, just consistent four yards in a cloud of dust guy. Uh, but Tampa Bay, like, has done really well, and they've handled themselves against very good offenses. Uh, they kind of broke down the uh, Green Bay Packers yesterday. Uh, they're riding a three-game win streak. They've played – they haven't beaten the 49ers – but I'd go playing 27-14 ball with the 49ers. One of the tougher games that the 49ers have faced, uh, lost to Texas in a two-point – or the Houston Texans in a two-point game. They gave Buffalo a little run for a bit. Eagles wasn't as as strong, but like 25-11. Better teams have hung around less with them. If you get Baker on a good game, which is a tall ask, but – I don't, like you see Dallas on the road. Have we seen Dallas's home road splits, Jackson? It's a it's a bad time, you know. They're That's in cool. Raymond. They're in Raymond James Stadium. Pirate ship cans booming. I, I will point out that exact same thing happened last year, and the Cowboys took them out behind the woodshed. So it is a bit of a different animal talent wise when you get into the playoffs. But well, I mean, listen, maybe. Tom Brady's no Baker Mayfield. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's my concern with Tampa Bay. I, I hate to bring up an antiquated stat like yards per game, but yards per game wise, they are 23rd offensively and they are 26th defensively. And one could argue that just by virtue of NFC South soft scheduling, they have lucked their way to seven wins when by maybe some more Pythagorean metrics. They might be more like five and a half ish. And I don't have the 
Wish, you know, wish, wish the, the DVOA diaspora hadn't spread so far because then I'd still have the numbers right in front of me to tell you exactly how many Pythagorean wins they had. But uh, I can do that now. I'm, I'm a sure. little bit concerned that it's it's soft scheduling. But I do think at the beginning of the year for me, Tampa, it was like, oh, wow, they are just three and one because of sheer luck. And now I see them, you know, win a game like they did yesterday. And it's like uh, there might be something there. They're. You know, I was feeling this way about the Packers a couple weeks ago, that maybe there was something there. When you go into Green Bay and beat the Packers, that at least makes me poke my whiskers up a little bit, and especially with the way that Baker slung it yesterday. He was in pretty serious consideration for my offensive game ball. I'll tell you right now, he got my offensive game ball. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we have uh, – I'm disappointed. I thought we had Pythagorean wins during the, uh, during the season. It must be a uh, – an after effect, but we do have estimated wins. It's a statistic known as the forest index emphasizes consistency as well as DVOA uh, for the most important specific situations. Uh, it then projects a number of wins adjusted to league average schedule and a league average rate of recovering fumbles. Uh, <laughs> very specific detail. There. Fumble talk. <laughs> uh, so in estimated wins, uh, they currently sit at 6.2, which is 20th, but is also like they're only overperforming slightly what they should be, which doesn't concern me that much. Like they should like they're not really batting above their weight class. They're kind of doing what they need to do, which tells me that like some of these closer games that could have gotten stuck out, like they could be an eight win team right now if they, you know finish three points better against Houston, they they could shake out an upset win. I just see this as a team who Dallas is obviously going to be an extremely tough matchup. But also uh I don't I don't know the uh what's the Occam's razor for comedy. Uh the funniest thing is likely to happen. And the funniest thing would be Baker Mayfield beating Dak Prescott in the playoffs. The, the first take, Stephen, not to keep bringing up first take, the Stephen A. clips that would come out of that game would be historic. It's true. I My only contention, and this is kind of – it leads perfectly into the rest of the topic, is uh, would it be more ironic for that to happen or for Matt Stafford to go into Detroit and beat Jared Goff and the Lions? Because I think that's, that's no, another yeah. outcome on the table for the first round. That would just be upsetting. No one would be happy about that. <laughs> no one's no one's rooting for Matt Stafford, the underdog, to be, you know, noted, you know, noted contender and and longtime juggernaut, Detroit Lions. Uh, it's about time they showed like they did on Saturday night. I was starting to get quite worried. I know you said you didn't watch that game. I I was uh, monitoring the outcomes as we were also. Uh, uh, heading between locations for our wedding party, and holy cow, it was like every time they touched the ball, Sam Laporta touchdown, Amon Ra touchdown, Jameer Gibbs touchdown. You, you want to talk about like bully ball? That was that was the most bully ball I saw, uh, apart from maybe the Bills, because they were they were able to do whatever they wanted to the Broncos. So excited for the Lions. But on that topic, if we're to look at you know the kind of the four. Four semi-favorites that we've talked about in the NFC all season, the Lions, the Niners, obviously, and then the Eagles and Cowboys, 
if we are to assume that those are our four divisional weekend teams, you know, what is your level of confidence in each of the following potentially crashing the party? And uh, just to begin, you know, put a put a number percentage chance next to your uh, in Bucks soliloquy from a couple minutes ago. Um, I'd put the Bucks. If I'm being earnest, I'd put the Bucks at a forty percent or a thirty percent chance, and I'd put the Rams at a like forty five. Uh, where I still think the Lions are favored, uh, I still think the Rams have uh, a handful of defensive issues. I think they're a young team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that's beginning to figure it out more, which does raise some concern. Uh, but I think Detroit is talented enough to figure it out. Uh Tampa Bay is is more a pipe dream uh, on being able to get it done, but like I don't have a ton of a ton of confidence and say like if it shakes out the Vikings take home the six or seven seed, I don't I don't think the Vikings can beat either the Eagles or Lions uh, in in a meaningful playoff game. I don't have. Seattle's frisky, but they also kind of stink on defense. Uh, Packers are way too young. And then we're really going down the rabbit hole. Like, the Saints are so weird, man. I know I've been the Saints diehard, but, like, the Saints are They were next on the list. (laughs) They were right there, 7-7. and Got a chance to win the division. Got a chance to get a wild card. Unfortunately for maybe us all, they are right there. Yeah, they're so weird. I can't figure out Derek Carr. Uh, I can't really understand their offense. I can't, uh, like, can't make heads or tails of their very old but still clearly dominant defense. Uh, God, they are a they are a riddle wrapped in an enigma. It's a good thing they have lots of cap space coming up in the future to you know help get this team back in a in a good young healthy roster construction kind of direction. Uh, I'm curious. I don't know when the Bills ever going to come due on the Saints. That's my favorite offseason story every year. Is will they ever pay for all of their uh, salary cap crimes, or will they just continue to be able to kick the can down the road? It's sort of like the Shohei Otani contract. Like, will they be six hundred eighty million dollars in the hole by twenty thirty four? Maybe. Maybe they'll never have to pay up. I don't know. I mean, at some point, the SEC <laughs> is just going to come from, and I'm not talking about the. The Southeastern Conference. I'm talking about the Securities and Exchange Commission. <laughs> or both. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Nick, out. Nick Saban uh, and Jerome Powell just exactly. rolling in. Tag team for the ages. Uh, the last team on the list, regrettably, was the Atlanta Falcons, Kale. Uh, negative 2%, negative 8%, uh, 10%. <laughs> Falcons, Falcons defeating the Cowboys in Atlanta with Freddie Falcon dangling from the ceiling. It would be funny. I just saw him lose to the Panthers yesterday. I can't even say it with a straight face. Uh, you want to play a little AFC rapid fire, Kale? Switching conferences a little bit. Yes, let's do it. I love a game. We We've got, got two, games galore today. We got two games coming up. Uh, the first one. Uh, sort of uh, around the horn style, buy or sell. Uh, I give you an AFC team. You tell me 
if you think they can win a playoff game, one, parentheses, numeral, one playoff game. Uh, let's start with uh, last night's disaster class, the eight and six Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, I think they can win a playoff game. I think um, they could too, but it's got to be generational Trevor Lawrence performance combined with, you know, the pass rush we've seen for them at the best points of their season. But yes, I agree they can. I think I think if they lock up the division and they bench Trevor Lawrence for, I'd say two weeks. Uh, they are. The problem is they're tied for the lead with two other teams in the division now, Kale. <laughs> no, I know that's the real issue. <laughs> is I don't that... think you're definitely not getting two weeks when there's only three games to play. If you're lucky, you'll get one. But yeah, I, I forgot the it. Colts are also eight and six. Uh, but yeah, the. Jaguars, it would be a big disappointment if they straight up just lost the division title. Uh, they, they're really playing with their food. But there are times where this defense just looks really strong. Uh, they're getting a lot out of some no-name linebackers, and I'm not going to, like, I don't know. I, I, I won't call them no-name. I won't call them household name. I don't know how many guys are pulling out, like, Folufoot, Dukasi, or, you know. Roy Hayes. You won't call him no name because you'll name him is what you'll do. Yeah. <laughs> and I wrote a whole thing on the Jaguars three weeks ago. It was one of my last pieces for FTN. And it's like they're a legit team. I thought they'd be competing for the one seed uh, if they took care of business in their AFC North games. And they proceeded to just not take care of business. Uh, they've lost to... They lost to Browning. They lost to Flacco. They lost to Lamar. Uh, they took care of no business. They took all their paid leave. Uh, and now they're paying for it. Uh, but, yeah, if we get generational Trevor Lawrence, if we get a big Calvin Ridley game, if we get a big Evan Ingram game, if we get ETN popping off, and we get this front seven that's been really showing out, that's been making things very easy uh, for a bit of a weaker secondary. Uh Boy, have I got the game for you next week. Jacksonville at Tampa. The clash of just north to central Florida. That could be a uh, that could be a cheap seeds game. 54. <laughs> I was going to say that could be a Kale, I swear I watched more than one game this weekend type of game where he is locked on Jacksonville, Tampa. Wearing teal and pewter on broadcast. That's good. That's good. Uh, the 9-5... and five Almost lost to the Bears. Would have lost to the Bears if either Bob Tunyon or Darnell Mooney could catch a ball that was in their lap. Cleveland Browns. Yes. I legitimately – like, there are so many – like, the AFC is not the NFC in that, like, I'd say anyone down to, frankly, the 10 seed can win a playoff game. Like, Pittsburgh's weird enough and, like, good enough on defense and has enough weird pieces – I think they could win a playoff game. Hell, the 11 seed, like Russ and the Broncos, like if they didn't dig themselves such a bad hole, could win a playoff game. Uh, Cleveland's absolutely on the table here to win a playoff game, especially if we get the good version of Flacco. Uh, Flacco, Flacco to Cooper, Flacco to David Njoku are legit connections. They're making really good headway. David Njoku, I think, really gets overlooked as – it's tough to say top five because you're getting like – like Andrews isn't healthy right now, so we forget about him. And then it's Kelsey Kittle, 
Laporte is having a historic rookie season. Uh, but, like, Njoku's got to be in that, like, the fringe end of, like, the top five, top six conversation at tight end. He is awesome. He is an athlete, man. Like, this is a guy who got his, his like, face burned off, two-face style, and is, is just playing out of his gourd, uh, making play after play. Uh, this is also a Cleveland Browns team just completely doing this without – uh, Nick Chubb, like there's so many pieces that you just kind of forget about this year. Uh, all the loss of quarterback play uh, has really overshadowed some of the bigger uh, skill position player losses. And I think this team, if it had Nick Chubb, would be a top three team in the AFC. This defense, while losing two of their best players in – uh, Delpit and uh, who else did they lose? Agbo uh, is just like is still awesome. Uh, it's tough to contain Justin Fields and didn't do the best job of it yesterday. Justin Fields still got around, but Justin Fields was also there was some there was some stat on NBC that got floated out last night. If it was NBC or the end of Red Zone where Justin Fields was the first quarterback either like in 40 years or the history of the league to throw an interception at the end of halftime and interception at the end of regulation in the same game, like on the last play of half and the last play of regulation, which is just bone cr- like brutally crushing. Uh, actually, yeah, box score, straight up did contain Justin Fields. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it uh, sucks. Like that, that one Robert Tunyon play changes this entire game. That's that's basically a walk-in touchdown, and it was the best throw I've seen Justin Fields make as an NFL quarterback. And he put it right in the bread basket. And unfortunately, that's the only play I'm ever going to remember Bob Tunyon for. Because I was like, who is this white dude wearing number 18 for the Bears? And then I came. You not remember Packers Bob Tunyon? No, I remember exactly who he is. I didn't know he was wearing number 18 as a tight end. Who allowed That's that? Good. I'm upset That's about that. Good. And I'm upset about him dropping that ball because that was the best throw. Probably the best throw I saw all day if I'm shooting you straight. And yeah. I don't even get to celebrate it because – And also, it especially pans out that if uh, if we're just talking about Cleveland winning a playoff game, uh, they've already beaten Jacksonville. Yeah. You kind of just said – they can all win a playoff game, which might tip the scales of the game a little bit. So I'm inclined to ask you, you know, moving forward, can Cleveland be in the AFC championship game? That's where, like, if the game is they can win a playoff game, yes. If Cleveland then goes to play, uh, I guess they would play Baltimore. Uh, that's tougher. That's tougher. I don't I always forget how divisional matchups tend to shake out in the playoffs because they're one and one on the season against Baltimore. And just the trade-off of matchup would suggest that Baltimore handily wins the third game. Because it's gone uh Ravens win, Browns win, and then I would assume Ravens win because they get to counter the counter. But you're not wrong. 
Flacco's different. Uh, Flacco, Flacco revenge game would go crazy. Um, I love that. I think they could. I don't want to talk myself too heavily into it because I also had Baltimore, you know, winning the winning the AFC. Uh, so it would be a, a big uh, negative on my priors. But, yeah, the Browns could, in a world, beat the Baltimore Ravens and make the AFC championship. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go back to just win one playoff game for this next one. Can Jake Browning and the Cincinnati Bengals win a playoff game? <sighs> this one's tough. Because right now, let's just – I'm I'm operating under the assumption that any of the eight and six teams from here on out, Cincy, Indianapolis, Houston, and Buffalo, will not rise higher than Cleveland. And that they're getting either the six or the seven seed. Currently, that slots them to play Miami or Kansas City. And I don't <laughs> – I don't know if Jake Browning's beaten Patrick Mahomes, even with this really bad uh, help. They could have easily lost uh, to the New England Patriots yesterday, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. It's like, wait. Okay. Yeah, I agree. And it was ugly. Uh, like, if this was any worse of a – or any better of, a, of an offense, they could have gotten the job done because the defense relatively – Relatively contained Mahomes. I am sorry. Uh, the, the thing for me is like how long is Magic Glass? Because uh, we are we're playing with a lot of, lot of, you know, wishes right now. A lot of childhood wonder and whimsy. Uh, a lot of Christmas. And unfortunately, Jake Browning hasn't been cut by any of the other teams they're about to play, so he doesn't have that chip on his shoulder uh, to spark a fourth quarter comeback in any of the remaining Bengals games, because otherwise I'd say, I'd say the Magic never has to run out if it's fueled by pure vitriol and bitterness. Spike, yeah. Spike goes a long way, but this team is now starting to get really banged up. Uh, mix and miss stretches of that Vikings game. Uh, Jamar Chase exited for stretches of that Vikings game. If they're, they're going to start just getting Magic out of – Chase Brown and Tanner Hudson. I guess anything's possible, but big T Higgins game. Big T yeah. Higgins game. Uh, but I don't know. It's it gets tough. Uh, I don't know how they're looking on defense as well. DJ Reader just got hurt. That's yeah. That, you when you were naming injuries, I thought that was the first one you were going to go to because I, I did. I, I did forget. I did forget the Reader card off. Uh. Man, it's yeah, they're they're getting really beat up, and I get a little skeptical on that. Again, anyone can beat anyone. Uh Chiefs came real damn close to losing yesterday. The Dolphins are kind of automatic, especially against bad teams, which doesn't make me uh too confident in the Cincinnati Bengals, but yeah, uh it, it I, spiritually, yes, realistically, uh the Bengals are probably not winning any football games. Yeah, I don't see it on the road for them either. I'm I'm gonna be a, a pretty a soft no, but still a, a no. Like I will be saying no for that yeah, one. That's uh, fair. I have a, a stronger no for the next one, which is the uh Indianapolis Colts, but you may differ. Dude, Indy's so weird. 
Like Indy, Indy's. I, Who I don't have any running backs by this game. Who knows? I don't think they were they were reverse Saints, but they've got a lot of Saints energy to me. Uh, they're more fun to watch than the Saints. They're a lot more fun to watch. Like Gardner Minshew is doing little to nothing to like help this team win. Uh, but it's just everyone else like defense playing out of their gourds, playing so automatic. Trey Sermon just randomly having a an eighty eight yard game and. Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson combining for 150 yards on on essentially like a four and a half yard a clip game. Couldn't get Goodson out of a police lineup before or after this game, frankly, because I didn't see him without his helmet. So you put you put Goodson in front of me right now. I ain't I ain't recognizing him. I, I apologize to my sicko fandom, but that's not happening for me. I liked I like to say I am informed on names. Uh, and, like, you'll bring up, like, who the hell's this guy? I think he did it with Ogbo uh, Okaranquo a few weeks ago, and I was, like, a little offended that you didn't know Ogbo or pulling out random guys. Uh, this is the first time hearing of DJ Montgomery. Uh, <laughs> two for 48 and a touchdown. <laughs> like, I'm pumped. But, like, the Colts are really doing this with anyone right now. Michael Pittman, My- Michael Pittman's playing awesome. Uh, and he got rocked. That worries me big time. Yeah. Uh, defense playing awesome. Uh, I, I don't remember which player ended up uh, on You Got Mossed, but one of the Colts cornerbacks, maybe one of the more athletic interceptions I've ever seen on a uh, on a Mitch Trubisky just heave. <laughs> uh but, yeah, like, this is a really talented defense. Uh, Steichen's getting it done with anyone offensively. It's it's Dayball-esque in his uh, just ability to squeeze any monicum and morsel of talent out of the guys they have left on the roster. So, again, it's a spiritual yes and realistic no. I don't think they can beat the Chiefs or Dolphins, but – They've been putting up some crazy impressive numbers. They've been they've been a godsend for the wins pool. This is true. Uh boy, Atlanta, Vegas, and Houston, their last three games, that Houston game being at home. Uh there's a chance they could win the division, Kale. I want to caution you against that now, and that's a scary reality to live in. So who who are you talking oh the Colts? The Colts. Oh yeah. They could be eleven and six. They could win this division, get a home playoff game. Scary reality. That could be could be Browns at Colts, which is a repeat of one of the weirdest games of the season we saw a few weeks ago. One of the coolest games of the season, arguably. Cool and somehow had an ending that made everybody upset. So shouts shouts to that one. Let's run it back. Uh, a couple more for you. Can the Texans win a playoff game? This is an interesting one. I mean, we're we're assuming we're back to fully healthy CJ Stroud, but some red flags to be sure. Well. You're gonna get fully healthy CJ Stroud, but you're you're out Tank Dell, could be out Nico Collins. And that's where you start to get scared, because now, now you're at Noah Brown and Robert Woods, uh, and I don't know if the Texans can just 
win by throwing to Dalton Schultz. He could. I'd like them to. Me too. Uh, I'd lo- like that one kills me that it's a Stroud. Uh, I'd love to see a Stroud Mahomes or a Stroud Tua at full strength. Because I really think that the Houston Texans could be, uh, could beat the Chiefs if they are at full strength. If, if they get Nico Collins back, I'd straight up think they could beat the Chiefs. I think it's that that doable. Uh, I think Singletary can kind of run all over them. I think if whatever version of rookie year Damian Pierce comes back. Uh, from witness protection to take over the job again. Uh, could beat the Chiefs. I think this team could really beat up on a, on a Kansas City Chiefs defense that started to falter a little in recent weeks, hasn't been the top three defense that they were for the first 12-ish, two-thirds of the season, 12 weeks, two-thirds of the season. But if they're healthy, yes. If they're healthy, yes, they could win a playoff game. I just don't know how healthy they'll be. I'm I'm gonna like give you a, an I agree, but I'm I'm most worried about them missing the playoffs of all the teams we've talked about so far. They got to play the Browns this week, uh, and then if they survive that one, that makes that indie game kind of a pseudo in an, in winning in playoff type of atmosphere. Uh, so. That to me, there's kind of two chances for them to trip up, and that's not to mention that Tennessee game, which could get weird depending on health of all those players you just talked about. So, if we're starting to make cuts to the uh, playoff roster here, we've already had to let one team go that we've talked about. If the Bills are going to make it, so either the Bengals, Colts, or Browns is going to have to be out. If the Bills are going to sneak back in, now we're talking about two of those, like the Bills and one of those teams, need to miss the playoffs in order for Houston to get in, and I'm concerned that unfortunately they will not. Yeah, I think I think the Texans are probably closest to are the most likely team that we've already talked about to miss. Uh, they, are, they are bubble for sure, uh, and I, that leads us into the Bills, who I don't think any of us question could win the AFC. Uh, but if they make it. It's a, it's big. They miss the playoffs because, unfortunately, yes, they absolutely could still miss the playoffs with uh, Miami still staring them down in Miami to close out the season. They are third in point difference. Dude, they could still, in theory, win this division, which is crazy. Uh, like, it is. It's crazy to look at the NFC play uh, playoff picture. And I was even looking at it and just quietly thinking to myself, like, wow. Uh, Detroit hasn't even clinched a playoff spot yet. Like, there's a chance they could, they could miss outright, and the, you know, Vikings or Packers could win the division. And then I look, and not a single team of Dolphins, Chiefs, or Jacksonville have clinched a playoff spot. There's yeah. still a world where Kansas City bottoms out and misses the playoffs. Uh, and I take it you didn't read the headline, uh, Minnesota names Nick Mullins the starter for Lions game this week, because that would have given you even more confidence that Detroit will indeed be in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's reasonable. Uh, last two last two are the Broncos and Steelers, who you said could win a playoff game. I'm, I'm not convinced the Steelers can, but make me the case. Uh, they're freaks, Jackson. They're creepy little freaks who 
Uh, Mike Tomlin has made a deal with the devil. Uh, he can and will do whatever it takes to make the postseason. Uh, he has already beaten a uh, a Burrow led Bengals team. Uh, he's beaten the Ravens. Uh, he's beaten a, uh, a a really strong uh, Watson Browns team uh, at a point where. Uh, a touchdown by the uh, – a pick six by the Steelers' defense meant that the Browns had given up more touchdowns offensively than they had defensively. Uh, like, they're beating good teams. Uh, do they bottom out, like, and have a 30-6 to six loss to the Niners or, or a 30-7 to seven loss to the Niners and a 30-6 to six loss to the Texans? Yeah, they have those. Yeah. Did they lose the second time around to the Bengals, 13-10, because they don't have an offense? Yeah. Did yeah, they become the first team ever to lose back-to-back games to teams eight or more games under 500? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they do that. But think about the teams they beat, though. Mm. <laughs> Counterpoint. Uh, if you can, fashion. Some if of you can beat, on, that's what I'm saying. They just – they're creepy little freaks who will beat whomever. Number like, number one headline on the Steelers uh, homepage right now is skidding Steelers plan to start Rudolph at quarterback. Are you excited about that? Yeah, they're not beating anyone in the postseason. I'm sorry. Uh, the whole to res- everything I just said. Uh, good thing they've already played both Browns games. Yeah. Please, oh, please be cooked, Steelers. Uh, they play home against the Bengals on a standalone 4.30 Saturday game this week. So we will all be watching. I'm sorry, standalone? It is the only game in the 4 p.m. slot. But well, Saturday. Oh, Saturday. I missed the Saturday part. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's that's that. a bad time for me and my team. Uh, <laughs> and then the last one's the Broncos. What do you make of that one? Freaky little freaks. Uh, yeah, the Broncos could win. Uh they the Broncos just like beaten a lot of the teams that are there right now. Yeah. They've beaten the Bills. They've beaten the Chiefs. Could happen again. Beat I don't think they'll make it, but could happen. With the Browns, they lost handily to the Lions. Uh, I that game was their season. I hate to say because I don't think. I, luckily for us, but unfortunately for the Broncos, I don't think any nine and eight teams are sneaking in. I think you got to get to ten wins, and I don't think. Even if even if you do, you might still be on the outside, depending on how many teams get there. And I don't I don't think the Broncos, given the state of their tiebreakers and the state of their roster, you know, making it to ten wins and foisting a couple others out on their way. Well, I was just thinking that it's gonna it's an uphill battle because if the Broncos, because the Broncos could still feasibly win their division, which is the crazy part. That took a hit this week, but you are technically correct. Yeah. But I think I don't think they have the tiebreaker, do they? It's um, you'd have to look up the actual I don't know. Standard. I don't know what division tiebreaker is when it's one to one. Well be division record, in which case I think that means so there's still division games left to play. To there's me two and two and the Chiefs uh, are three and one. Okay. To me uh, it's not happening either way. Uh, it is. Uh, I will tell you this. This landing is nice for the Broncos, Patriots, Chargers, Raiders. That's what I'm saying. You better not lose any of those. Uh, but my thing was, uh, 
it is the biggest case of matchup because you either go to a Chiefs team you completely handled defensively or a Dolphins team you lost by <laughs> <at> 52. <laughs> Redemption is great. Uh yeah, I think unfortunately, I, I do think they win their last three games. I forgot how easy it was, but I still think they miss. I think they'll be the eight or the nine uh, and lose on all the tiebreakers. But can I can I throw one thing out at you? Because there are two teams that are not eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, the Raiders can't win a playoff game. If that's what you're wondering, I was going to say who is more likely. <laughs> Would you do you think the Raiders are more likely to win a playoff game or the revenge fueled? Not coached by Kellen, uh, Kellen Moore. Why, why is the uh, is is are, why is the linebackers coach the outside linebackers coach the interim coach for the Chargers? Is it just because he's longest tenured there? Uh, probably to answer that question, uh, but I don't have an answer and. You show me the tiebreaker scenario where the Chargers get in at eight and nine and then go on a playoff rampage. <laughs> they are still I I bet you while we go into the next segment that Brian Knowles has it. Probably. Uh, because they are technically not eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> Speaking of the next segment, uh boy, we're we're stretching the time limits of the show today. Uh, we've gotten to an hour and we haven't started playoff fixer upper yet. So Jackson and I started the show by saying, Hey, we do real well when our show's like hour 30, hour 40. Let's yeah. really focus on time today. Didn't happen. Uh, I guess I guess the cost of doing bits, which we've missed and are, are getting back into doing, is now we're we're really pressing the time limit. So you know what? We're leaning into it at this point anyway. Playoff Fixer Upper is a game I'm excited to introduce you to. Uh, there, there haven't been 10 teams officially eliminated yet, but there are 10 teams that I think we can look at as, yeah, they're not making the playoffs. Uh, so in the AFC, that's the Chargers and the Raiders. That's the Titans, Jets, and Pats, who all have been officially eliminated. The Cardinals are officially eliminated. The Commanders are eliminated. The Panthers, obviously, are eliminated. And the Bears and Giants. So with that in mind... I would like to take turns picking a player. We'll go a player each from each of these teams. We'll, we'll, we will go quick. I will hold you to going quick on this one since we're doing 10. But pick a piece from the Chargers. Give it to a contender and make me excited about why that would be fun. Uh I'm sorry. I was still looking up the playoff scenarios. It is mathematically eliminated teams. No, just the team. These are these are the teams that we say are out. So it's the bottom five in each conference. So Chargers, Raiders, Titans, Jets, Pats are the bottom five in the AFC right now. Uh, a weird one. All right. Who are we more? Who are we more worried about getting upset early? Jacksonville or Kansas City? Worried is an interesting word. I I would probably rather see the Titans or the, the I'd probably rather see the Chiefs eliminated early, but I think the Jags are more likely to be eliminated early. I think let's just go pure pure anarchy. Uh, I am putting Devonte Adams on the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh wow! 
<laughs> skipping the Chargers, going straight to the Raiders. I like that one a lot, though. Uh, that, yes, that's fire. Receivers been their number one issue. Now Rashi Rice gets uh, an immediate CB two assignment. You can no longer double Travis Kelsey. Uh, it's about as as menacing an offense as you can create uh, for a team that has no wide receivers currently. And of the five teams, like the only other guy I could think to throw on the Chiefs is like Garrett Wilson, who is literally just worse Devontae. That's uh, good. His main comp has been Devontae Adams, so might as well just give them Devontae Adams. Yeah. No, I mean, you're not finding a better receiver outside the playoffs right now uh, or, or on those, like, totally eliminated teams than Devontae as an excellent pick. Uh, since we did the Raiders, I'll stick with the Raiders. I want to give the Lions the best possible chance in the NFC. What do you think about a defensive line anchored on one side by Aiden Hutchinson and on the other side by Max Crosby? That's not putting fear into the hearts of the rest of the NFC. I don't know what is. So that one gets me fired up. I would love to see Max Crosby on this year's Lions team. I love that. I just I think they could probably use a little bit more help in the secondary. Agreed. Don't but, care. <laughs> don't like like throw sauce on them. Like that's fine. But you also don't need to worry about your secondary when your quarterback has 1.5 seconds in the pocket. Seriously. And guess what? You still can when we get to the Jets. You could still put sauce on the Lions. I'll, I won't do that. I'll limit myself to one per customer, one fixer-upper per good team as well as one per bad team. But that's that's also enticing. But, yeah, I mean, Max Crosby's the best defensive player on this list, IMO. So I want to keep him in – I'm trying to do a thing where I keep him within conference. I think that's so no, that's your, that's your we'll I think it's a more fun exercise that like the AFC gets one pool, the NFC gets another. Because what I could do is throw Justin Fields on the Cleveland Browns. But instead of Herbert Justin, on the Cleveland Browns. So I'm gonna put Justin Herbert on the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, that, that's about as automatic as you can get. Uh that was the basis for this exercise. So I was like, "Hey, what if we could put Herbert on the Browns?" So, and I and I argue and I argue you can do repeats because I think that while you did write it, that is the most obvious need of team with no quarterback. Like you could throw them on the Bengals. Like you could make it real funny and throw them on a team that is like, you know, you play the twenty twenty uh, quarterback game, uh, like what could have been type thing. Bengals could have drafted Justin Herbert do the additional anecdotal thing and then have Justin Herbert playing behind it, an equally legit offensive line with hopefully Jamar Tace, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, and just go absolutely nuclear. But I think quarterback is a more dire need for the Cleveland Browns. And the Cleveland Browns are a game up on the Cincinnati Bengals, so I'm putting them on the Browns. That's good. Now – I don't want to make this just let's move all the edge rushers around. So I will limit myself to this being my last edge rusher of the bunch. But I'm staring at a Khalil Mack 15 sack stat line. And now I'm looking around for a playoff team to put him on. And to be honest, like 
aside from, you know, my, my dreamland Max Crosby to the Lions scenario, there aren't a ton where I'm like, hey, this team's biggest weakness is up front. But one that I definitely, especially since they just lost a guy up front, and another two-headed monster, if you could give me Trey Hendrickson and Khalil Mack rushing the quarterback, that gets me pretty excited. So I'll, I'll stick in conference for you uh, on this one and go Khalil Mack with the Bengals. That's fun. I like that. like that a whole lot. Uh, Tennessee is a weird one. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and to be equally weird, Miami Miami's weird because they're a team that I don't think has like a ton of flaws. Like some of their biggest needs are like off ball linebacker, and I'm just like that could be a Patriots and Jets problem. Like there's not a lot of like Titan stuff I want to bother with. Uh, so I'm just gonna in a in a Kansas City to. Devontae Adams-esque, like, let's just stack the deck here. Uh, I'm putting Derrick Henry on the Ravens. That feels like a match made in heaven. Uh, You've already got, like, explosive runners in Justice Hill, and, like, you can go off speed, uh, get a little passing back action in there as well. To me, it sounds like Gus Edwards has never seen the field again, and you just go Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's goddamn bulldozer, yeah. Yeah, uh, like, three, like four yards in a cloud of dust. Like he is, he's running back, touch push, whatever you want. Thought about maybe throwing Eckler on there, uh, just like. But Eckler, I don't know where he is right now. You yeah, know? he's faded down the stretch a lot. Uh, I'd throw twenty twenty two Eckler on there for sure. sure. That's about as dynamic a pass attack as you can get. But uh, let's throw Henry on there. That's just an embarrassment of riches at that point. Uh, like, what else am I going to do? Put Chigo Conquo on there? No. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, I, I like that pick a lot. I'm looking around for teams that could use a, a linebacker. And my eyes have been drawn to the Los Angeles Rams, who I like a lot of what they have going on, but that roster is a little thin. They have Aaron Donald up front. Granted, don't feel great about their secondary either, but I think if you improve the linebacker, linebacking core and you put the man Al Shair in that linebacking core, okay. that gives me a little more confidence in that team being able to keep up defensively with some of the better teams in the NFC. So let's toss one of the NFL's leading tacklers with 137, uh, Aziz Al Shair on the Los Angeles Rams. Tennessee's got a lot of like weird, sneaky ones that are just like, you could be good. Like you could be, you could be an ad in certain places, but like yeah, they traded some of those guys too. How many, how many guys can I put Harold Landry on? Like, yeah, uh, Danica Watry, like Arden Key's fun too. I, for, I forgot Arden Key was a Titan. Um, have you got all offense and I got all defense so far. I think we have. I'm about to switch that mandatory up. switch next round. Mandatory I'm, I'm switch. Putting, I'm putting sauce on the Jags. Ooh. Putting sauce on the Jags. They need one guy in that secondary. And you might as well just get a lockdown CB1. Uh, I'm I'm putting sauce there. I thought about giving him a – if I was going mandatory defense, I, I thought about putting uh, C.J. Mosley on the Dolphins uh, for Shigs. Uh, that's probably not – the best, uh, like the best use of 
talent and resources, giving them uh, giving them Cannon Williams or CJ Mosley. But uh, no, it's got to go sauce to Jacks. I think that's probably the best bet here. That's good. Now, since I'm going offense and we already know the answer for the Jets is Garrett Wilson on offense, uh, I don't want to give him to the Chiefs because you already gave them Devontae Adams. I don't want to give him to the Jags because you just gave a Jets player to the Jags. I'm going to put Garrett Wilson on the Baltimore Ravens. That sucks. I think <laughs> so sick. That's that's disgusting. You 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 make Zay Flowers a true like wide receiver two, Odell's three at that point. I'm so much. Rashad Bateman's like situational. Yeah, like God, that's good. Uh, that's nasty. All right, Patriots, enjoy. <laughs> Putting Michael Onwenu on the Dolphins, just to, just with the amount of offensive line injuries they've had, Michael Onwenu has played both guard spots, and I think I don't know if he's played left tackle. He's definitely played right tackle, uh, but he's played three different positions on the offensive line, uh, and they are so complete offensively and relatively complete defensively that I just like. Unless I'm throwing Barmore on the defensive line uh, to, like, go alongside Zach Sealer. Uh, unless I'm putting Uche on edge. Like, they've already got two edges. I guess Jalen Phillips is done. Uh, I don't want to throw, like, Jawan Bentley up there with uh, Van Ginkle and David Long. Duggar in the secondary would be really good if like, but I don't know how much. Like, Duggar might be Duggar might be another answer uh, if I was going because uh, Duggar and Holland playing behind uh, Ramsey and Howard would be so nasty. Even like Adrian Phillips in there would be good. Uh, but give me on Wainu just for the like the offensive line is their crux right now. And we need to keep Tua healthy for this team to go anywhere. I'm going offensive line, and unfortunately I have to go. That's like the one pick I have to make. That's good. Now, I think there is a team that could use Kyle Duggar, and it's not the Dolphins. It's the team that statistically somehow has been the very worst team against the pass this year after stacking up marquee names on pass defense and being one of the best last year. Suddenly they just stink and they've had injuries in the secondary. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. That'd be so. Kyle, Kyle Duggar to the Eagles. Lock it in. I love that. I That's love good. that. <laughs> There's a lot of good ones here. This game, this game is fun. In case uh, the people hadn't picked up on that yet. Uh, and with that in mind, let's shift over to the NFC. You want to go Giants first? We have to, and I don't want to. <laughs> you can't. Uh, make me. Yes, I can. Go ahead. I can't even think, man. I, I'm pulling up depth chart right now, and it is grim. I get, like, I guess it's got to be Saquon. Yeah, I was going to say, they got that guy that runs the ball. He might not be a bad fit. Uh, I could do it'd – be, it'd be really funny. <laughs> it'd be really funny to put Saquon on the Niners. And just give <laughs> him Saquon and CMC. Just, what the hell? <laughs> just an embarrassment. Imagine running 21 personnel with Saquon and CMC. 
Uh, I I will mean. not do that. <laughs> I won't do that. Uh, God. Uh, can I be? Can I find the Saquon team and you find the Kayvon Thibodeau team? Since I already sure. found not to give sure. teams more edge rushers. Sure. Yes. I'll do Saquon now. I guess. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of teams with injured running backs. And if I was they're thinking, not healthy, I don't know who to give them to. I wasn't going to give you – I won't give you an answer, but I was thinking Saquon to the Cowboys. That's good. Pollard hasn't lived up to stuff. And then beyond them, you've got, like, Deuce Vaughn, Rico Dowdle. Like, there's not a lot there. Imagine this offense with Saquon. I I like that one a lot. Uh, I was – I was kind of eyeing Saquon to the Dolphins in some weird world where, like, just give them all the running backs and hope that they all stay healthy and maybe you've got too many running backs. Because I know, like, A-Chan, I'm just worried about A-Chan at this point. Did you give to the Chiefs yet? Right. What's who'd that? You give, who'd you give to the Chiefs? Uh, I have not given to the Chiefs yet. That was one of my injured running back teams, right? So, like, yeah. if they have Pacheco back, they don't need him. If the Colts have Taylor back, they don't need him. But obviously, oh, how about how about scratch all that? Saquon to the Houston Texans. That's, wow. that's easy. Yeah, that's nasty. That's really fun. That's uh, now you don't have to worry about Damian Pierce regaining form because you've got the guy Damian Pierce really wishes he was uh, right in the fold. Uh, look kind of good in that uniform too. Truth be told, he would he would look good in that uniform. I because I have to stay in the. NFC by my own rule, uh, my own silly little rule. <laughs> uh, Self-imposed restrictions that he will now complain about. Yes. Uh, I think I like this. I want to pull up their PFR numbers, but for Tibbs, it's tough because Tibbs, like, Tibbs can kind of, like, it can kind of do it all to me. Uh, but there is so much. I, I'm also – implicitly crossing off in the same way that you crossed off uh, the Chiefs after I gave him Devontae. Like, you can't give him a receiver. I'm doing that with the Lions. Like, I can't just throw two of the three edge rushers from the 2021 class on the – or 2022 class on the uh, on the Lions uh, do a Herbert, Herbert Burrow deal. But what I can do if I look at this – yeah. I'm going to give them to the Bucs because the Bucs have this weird situation right now where all of their production is coming from Vita Vea. And, like, Shaq Barrett is getting heavy assignments. They've gotten a uh, a big burst of pass-rushing talent out of one Yaya Diaby. Sure have. Uh He's only started the last four games. He's a he's a third round rookie this year out of uh, out of you, nope, out of Louisville, Louisville and Georgia military. Uh, but he's a second guy in sacks at five point And imagine they just had tips also, like on top of Yaya, on top of Shaq, on top of Kalijah Kansi. Uh, and Levante David, they just had tips also. Uh, there, I I don't want to take the time to go through uh, Sports Info Solutions and start digging around for, like, who's been the best Giants 
corner because they've been had like a surprisingly good pass defense this year. I think it'd be interesting to give up like an Adoree Jackson or a, a Jason Pinnock on one of these teams. I don't want to do that. And we already agreed on tips. So we'll go with tips. That's good. I, I think that uh, the rest of these get progressively tougher, unfortunately. Um, so I'm looking at the bears next and I want to limit myself to offense for this one because I've been going defense a lot and I'm eyeing another defensive one pretty closely down the road. So for the Bears offense, you've given me some Justin Fields destinations. I'm going to bookmark Fields to the Colts as an interesting one. Okay. I think that is interesting. Yeah. Uh, It's weird because I think his situation gets worse, but I think it's better for the Colts. Yeah, here's one that I think actually should happen next year. Uh, And we've agreed that this team is not making the playoffs, but since they are included for this exercise, uh, Justin Fields can go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Thank you very much. That's so sick. Uh, (laughs) I like that a lot. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat Jackson. Not the biggest Brock Purdy guy. Imagine, <laughs> imagine the Niners of Justin Fields. Oh my God. Imagine they rectified the mistakes of the 2021 NFL draft. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that, Gil. <laughs> yes, I can. Brock Purdy's plus 150 to win the MVP. I agree that he shouldn't be, but he is. Yeah, it's crazy. He's, it's crazy they're wrong. <laughs> Imagine what they could do with a mobile quarterback. Oh I'm, my I'm, I'm pilling myself into the Trey Lance but better conversation again. Imagine what Kyle Shanahan could do with a mobile quarterback. You're not wrong, but I I think it's fun to let this Purdy exercise play out. Let's see if he really can do this in the playoffs. Let's see if you really you really can win with any name at quarterback. Or if Brock know. Purdy has more to him than, than any of us want to give him credit. Do you want to, do you want to be boring and do you want me to throw Jalen Johnson on the Eagles? Like that's Sick, Kale. I was hoping – that's why I wanted to hear that at the start of today. That's fine. That's <laughs> no, fine. don't do that. Don't, don't be fun. You can do that. I the, for it defense, is the best. This was interesting. Uh like if you want to do so, I'm going to do another Niners uh, right now. But I, I debated some. So the Niners, let's get this out of the way. The one thing that's like maybe could be improved is the secondary since Ufongo went down. Like you're pretty thin at, at the safety position. Yeah, you got a pick six yesterday uh, from why can't I remember which guy got it? But still thin, uh, both safety and corner, especially safety. So I was looking at potentially an Eddie Jackson. Or maybe okay. a Jaquan Brisker to the Niners. Uh, but then I looked at our next team on the list and saw that uh, all pro safety Buda Baker of the Arizona Cardinals is available. So let's give him to the 49ers and just, you know, deck out their entire defense, go with their decked out offense. You've, we could skip straight to the Cardinals. You've skipped the team. I, <laughs> I don't care. We'll come back to him. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying you've skipped the hardest team. To actually put together for sure. Um, all right, if we're skipping to the Cardinals, let me open this up. And God, it's tough. Buddha's Buddha was the right answer. Uh, put Kyler on the Niners. Uh, put anyone but Brock Purdy on the Niners and see how far <laughs> they fly. Uh, God, I have like good teams left. 
Uh, I still, if I'm doing Jalen Johnson to the Eagles, I still have the Niners left. I still have the Lions left. I gave, uh, where did we put Saquon? I, I put still, him on the Texans. I still have the Cowboys left. You do. Oh, uh, no, I don't have the Lions left because I give them, uh, no, I give the tips to Bucks. Okay. So I still have all three uh, AFC contenders to go. Let's go. Or NFC, not Niners contenders. Uh, give me Shalde Froholt now. Uh, I like Dennis Gardeck. I like the Barbarian. Uh, Kazir White wasn't on IR. I'd throw him in there. Yeah. Sadly, I can't give you Trey McBride either because he just got hurt. Yeah. That'd be a fun one. Trey McBride would be a good one. Let's go with let's go with Gardeck. Let's go with the Barbarian. Five sacks on the year. Is there anyone better on the Cardinals? I'm going to their PFR. I've been looking at their ESPN depth chart, and I realized I should just be going to their PFR. Uh, I'm going to look at their defense. God, I'm taking this long. Yeah, let's go Gardeck. Gardeck leads the team in sacks. He's got a fumble recovery. He's got a couple passes defensed. He's actually like – He's not that high on the team, but he's got a lot of passes defense. That's pretty uh, good. Where's he going? He's got three. He is going two. I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him Tampa Bay again. Uh, let's 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 throw him on the lines. Let's throw him on the lines. Let's get more like linebacker slash pass rushing talent. Uh. Really load up there and just make this uh, a formidable front seven. Uh, I'm borrowing a bit from your Max Crosby. Gardeck's on a true edge. Uh, can play a little bit back. And outside of Campbell and Anzalone, they don't have a ton of people in that in the three of that base 4-3 defense. Throwing Gardeck in there would just be a real nice addition to the second level. It's very solid. Uh, now... Our next team, and the, the two left, to be honest, are the, the toughest, honestly. Because if you not go re- to- <laughs> Not really for the Panthers, because you can just do Brian Burns. That's true. Uh, but if you go to the Washington Commanders page and look up stats, you see that their team leader in sacks is Montez Sweat, who hasn't played for them since October. So That's funny. <laughs> that leaves you. And then third on the team is Chase Young. So... That leaves you with the guy in between in second place, Jonathan Allen, who, you know, you could do a lot worse than a defensive tackle with five sacks. That's, you know, that's getting it done on multiple fronts right there. Uh, and he's still 28, prime of his career. You could do a lot of good with Jonathan Allen right now. So where do I put Jonathan Allen? That's uh, that's the real cracker here. Um, you know, I'm looking across the AFC playoff picture, and I'm wondering, like, who am I most worried about the ball getting run down their throat? come postseason time. And I actually think it's the Miami Dolphins. So I'm going to put Jonathan Allen on the Miami Dolphins. Hold down that run game, son. Uh, how how bad do you want to go all or nothing? I who do you I, think who do you think this guy belongs on the Dolphins, but I am self-imposed to not do that. So we're worried about secondary help. If we give 
we give Benjamin St. Juice to the San Francisco 49ers, we are getting <laughs> we are getting truly an all or nothing cornerback. Because this year, Benjamin St. Juice has a league leading 18 pass breakups. Yeah. But he also has not as league leading, but like a, a still abysmal four touchdowns allowed and 9.3 yards per target allowed. He is by volume allowed the most yards in the league. And I think part of it is because like he doesn't have a ton of safety out behind him. He like is stuck in a lot of one-on-one matchups against good players. But you just can't ignore that 18 passes defensed. You shouldn't, that's for sure. So, like, you throw him in a in a CB2 role alongside Javarius Ward. You you have some kind of I know I know who Fonga's gone, but like You've got Gibson back there. Like, he's fine. You at least have, like, someone, you know, Lenoir as a CB3 behind Benny St. Just. You're cooking with the secondary now. I like that one. That's we're, – we're getting to the part of the list where there's not two, like, exciting names for each team, and you just mentioned uh, the one exciting name for the Panthers that we're about to talk about. I'm scrambling for a second one there. Uh, so I think you – the St. Juiced one is good for the Commanders comparatively to the second one we're going to have to try and pull out for the Panthers. So uh, I'll be nice. I'm going to give you the Brian Burns one because I think defense has still kind of been my purview throughout this exercise, and I might pick another defender, but – it's going to be tough either way, so go ahead with Burns. See, now I've given away so many edge rushers and, like, second-level talents. I'm eyeing, like, who could I put? Like, I, I should have thought ahead and put, you know, Von Bell on the Niners or put, uh, like, mixed up a, a Xavier Woods or a J.C. Horn in there. Uh, hell, like, freaking Chuba Hubbard. Uh <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting real devil list here. God okay. <laughs> Figure out what to do with Jonathan Mingo. Uh, is Ikea Kwanu even good? That's my question. I was looking at that one. That's like the only one. And, and the, the issue is like the Panthers have been so bad that I don't know whether him being good or bad would have made any bit of difference this year. Uh, I don't know. Ikea Kwanu straight up is a 4.3% blown block rate. Yeah, it's terrible. Never mind. Uh, 20, 26 blown blocks in pass, bro, is bad. Uh, on 500 snaps. Uh, got, a, got a Tommy Tremble team you're excited to throw out there? No, Jeez. I don't. Uh, let's just all – I took Benny St. Juice, so I, I, I deserve an easy one. Uh, I haven't given the Eagles anyone. And I think it'd be kind of crazy to throw Brian Burns on the Eagles. I think that, I think that would go pretty nuts because such a big part of their offseason worry was the fact that they were getting rid of so much defensive talent. They had something like a combined 8,000 snaps 
hitting the free agent market, and they spent a pretty big concerted effort retaining like James Bradbury and like a lot of their secondary talent. But this is still a team with like Jalen Carter putting up four sacks. Hassan Reddick has 11 sacks. Josh Sweat, six and a half. Fletcher Cox is another four. Like they're getting pressure. We're just throwing Brian Burns in there, making it even harder. And that, like, again, like I said, uh, I, I think I said it about the uh, – I'd thrown it out about the Lions before. Uh, just not worrying about how bad your secondary is and just putting all your chips into never being able to drop back to pass, never having a clean pocket. I think that's pretty sick. I like it. I do. Um, <laughs> I want to double up on teams, but we've kind of said we can't. I want to give. Uh, I want to give this guy the Lions, but we've sort of established that uh, that is not permissible per the exercise. So you established that. Yeah. We've all we've all just invented rules here, Jackson. Just just envision that I'm giving this guy to the Lions, but I since I'm not. Uh, Looking at a team that might need a, a trick or two to pull out of its sleeves in the postseason, uh, maybe a fake punt. Okay, well, maybe that will help somebody advance in the playoffs. Johnny Hecker has made a career out of sort of being the fake punt guy. He's got 24 career pass attempts, 15 of them complete, 84 career uh, passer rating. Uh, I'm going to give him – I want to give him to the Lions because Jack Fox has the second worst net average of any punter in the entire NFL – so why not just give them a better punter who can also throw a pass? And you know Dan Campbell wants to run fake punts. But since yeah. I can't do that, I'll give him to the Browns, who have the second lowest uh, net average per punter of all the playoff teams right now. I'm sorry, Corey Bajorquez. I've just taken you out of a job, uh, and Johnny Hecker will be taking that job. So sicko complete punters being moved. All four downs is pretty sick. Exactly. I want – Johnny Hecker, who has been in a Super Bowl before and did not win uh, to go get his Super Bowl win with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, this is the guy we need to get a ring, is Johnny Hecker. Agreed. <laughs> Redheaded king. Uh, yeah, there's not a better one for the Panthers. Game balls. Rapid fire. Rapid fire game balls. Agreed. Uh, James Cook, we already talked about him. Don't need to talk about him anymore. James Cook killed my 12-0 fantasy team, Kale. He killed them. We are 12-0 in the Newhouse League. That's over. Lost in a two-round playoff matchup because uh, I put up 85 points last week. And keep in mind, this is a two-quarterback, two-flex league where the average uh, – I, I think I looked. The lowest I had scored all season before was 125, and I put up 85 last week. So I'm going home, even though I had a huge week this week because James Cook killed me. So RIP, perfect fantasy season. Jackson, I have no sympathy for you. You agreed to swear off playing fantasy football. If you lost a game, you lost a game, and then proceeded to keep playing fantasy football. I have no sympathy for you. My offensive game ball goes to Baker Mayfield. Uh, 381 passing yards, four touchdowns, kind of decimated a uh, a Green Bay Packers team uh, kind of all around. And, God, Baker's just a showman, man. Like, you watch this guy play. Uh, 2022 MVP right off the bat uh, doesn't get much better than that. Doesn't the high, the accolades don't get much higher than that, frankly. Uh, and I'm just like I'm constantly impressed with how he throws it together. The second 
best game of his career uh, by total yards. And I'd argue that it's the best game of his career because the other game where he threw 397 yards, he had a touchdown, three interceptions. He goes 4-0 today. Uh, took a bunch of sacks, but hey, man, that's a that's a gutsy win. It's good. It's good, man. He's. Uh, I think we've we've all kind of had like our our ins and outs on Baker this year, if that makes sense. Like there have been oh, times man. when like the media frenzy has been at a really high point, and it's like okay, he's three and one against four bad teams. Then there have been times when it's like oh, we're not talking about him at all, and the Bucks are just you know one of the one of the teams that maybe sneaks in, but if they do, it's because the schedule's so weak. I think we've come back around on Baker a little bit. He, he would have been fun to put on, you know, the Steelers or something if the Bucks weren't uh, ineligible for the fixer-upper exercise on the loser end of things. So I like it. Baker's, Baker's definitely at least earned, you know, the respect of a, a full-time starter in the league this year. It's been exciting to see that uh, transformation take shape defensively. I'm going to start with uh, – Tano Passignon, and yes, for all of you uh, linguistic listeners out there, that is Passignon with a silent K at the beginning of the world. Uh, word, not world. Uh, Tano Passignon had three sacks against the Giants yesterday after he had .5 all season leading up to it and 13.5 in his entire seven-year career coming into the game. So granted, Tommy DeVito – was one of the most historically sacked quarterbacks through his first three career starts and then somehow didn't get sacked once by the Packers last week. So you want to talk about regression being due. Tommy DeVito was due to take a whole bunch of sacks yesterday, but you know who got to him? Passignon. He's getting the game ball. Shout out TK. TK. Jack Jones. Uh, coolest pick six I've ever seen. Uh, I know we're going back to Thursday. We don't usually do that. Um, didn't watch enough. Sunday defensive efforts to pick a game, and Jack Jones was still burned in my brain. So, Jack Jones. Yeah. Who says we can't? Uh, that's... It's not that we can't. It's just we don't. And you know what? <laughs> it's it's sort of fitting. Like, the Raiders already had a gazillion former Patriots guys because of the McDaniels connection, and the Raiders have also, you know, cultivated an image throughout the years as a team that, you know, they, they, they bring in guys who might be a little rougher on the edges. So, uh Jack Jones fits in pretty well, given his, uh, you know, history this season. I won't get too far into specifics of incidents, but he fits the bill if you're the Las Vegas Raiders and uh, the general vibe of the team throughout the years. So moving on, let's go to special teams. We just had some some good old-fashioned game-winning field goals this week. Nothing too exciting in terms of uh, blocked punts, punt returns, anything like that. So uh, Kaimi Fairbairn. The Houston Texans defeated the Tennessee Titans yesterday with Case Keenum at quarterback. That Case Keenum, Minneapolis miracle Case Keenum. And Kaimi Fairbairn hadn't played in five weeks, and he comes back and hits two field goals early, both short, then hits a 53-yarder to make it a four-point game early in the second half, and then comes all the way back around in overtime as time expires. It had looked like the Texans won the game on a walk-off touchdown. It gets called back for a holding penalty, and from a supposed game-winning touchdown, you then end up with a 54-yard game-winning field goal attempt outside on the road after not playing for five weeks, and he drilled it. So shout-out Kaimi Fairbairn and Titans, I'm sorry. You can't wear the Oilers uniforms anymore. I don't make the rules. You try to you try a troll job 
of your, you know, former Houston team. You know, we took away your team. Now we're going to wear the Oilers uniforms against your new team from that city. All well and good. I respect the troll job, but if you lose to Case Keenum, that bit is over. You forfeit the uniforms. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, would have been sick if we got it off. Didn't get it off. Doesn't count. Uh, again, real lazy. Uh, real lazy effort on the game balls not named Baker Mayfield. Uh, also, like, straight up, like, kind of neglectful that T. Higgins just didn't get a game ball. Uh, what, like, probably should have gotten, like, if we're just giving game balls for single plays, uh, probably, like, that that reach back Space Jam Jordan-esque extendo for the touchdown, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. We're going to go with a different game winner, though. Uh, actually, frankly, I could have gone with Evan McPherson. Evan McPherson probably also deserves a game ball uh, for his game-winning kick. Uh, I'm going with go with Dustin Hopkins, just because I wrote hitting the old Dusty, hitting the old Dusty trail, because uh, I thought it was a little bit more funny to write that instead of doing like McFearless or whatever. But when you look at the touch, like you look at the distances, and like McPherson's a true game winner. But he hit a 29-yarder. Dusty. Oh, Hopkins. He hit a 34-yarder. That's much more. That's a little little different. That's huge. I fully agree. Uh, A lot of missed kicks the past couple weeks, too. So just just making all your kicks gets you in uh, pretty easy contention. And, hey, if you wanted to go game-winning field goals, the Panthers were out there, too, if you really wanted it. Pinheiro knocking home the 28 yarder, I think it was, in driving rain. Uh, Straight up, no, <laughs> you can't make me. And that's it. That's that realistically, like, that's in the kale wheelhouse of like, hey, a kicker outscored an entire team. He should get a game ball. But I didn't watch a second of Panthers Falcons. So bless your soul. Eddie T <laughs> not getting it from me. Understood. Bless your soul again. Uh, uniforms. Uh, I think there were – the thing about uniforms at this time of year is you're getting a lot of games for the second time, and that leads us to give games game balls that we've probably given game balls many times in the past. So the two that were in my head were Niners, Cardinals, and Chargers, Raiders. And I thought Niners, Cardinals was great, and then I realized I had already given them the exact same uniform game ball, the same two uniforms, Kale, because uh, the Cardinals, in a brilliant move, have started wearing their all-whites at home. Those are their best new uniforms by far, and I'm glad they're doing it. Uh, so shout-out to the Cardinals, but I can't give the exact same uniform game a second game ball. So that leaves me with Chargers Raiders, and the reason I'm happy to give this one a uniform game ball is because it was funny to have like an awesome uniform game in a – Absolute monstrosity of a football game otherwise. Easton Stick Aiden O'Connell is like up there in the pantheon of hilarious quarterback matchups that we've thought of through the years. And it delivered in a negative way because it was 49-0 at halftime. So easy uniform game ball because it was the only thing that was like actually good about that game instead of just funny to laugh at. No one's up there for me. I don't know if I'll give it. Saints-Giants was awesome. Saints-Giants is real strong. Saints all-blacks are great. Giants all-whites are great. It's all primary color base pretty much, like gold instead of yellow, whatever. Uh, that one was real strong. Uh, 
my gut instinct is to give it to Minnesota Cincinnati. I thought that was really clean, even even if like it's all more like on the color wheel, secondary colors like purple and orange is a weird color combo, but like kind of weirdly works. Clemson's known it works for centuries. I get it's like Halloween, whatever, but uh, it uh, yeah, I guess Clemson too. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was like Cincy, Cincy in the all blacks with the orange stripes down the side is so clean. Uh, and I think those are the best. I think those are really strong Vikings uniforms. I'm giving it to Vikings Bengals. I agree with that pick. Uh, one thing I weirdly noticed about this game, I mean, this is weird, sicko uniform talk, but the Vikings purple socks are a different shade of purple than the purple pants. And that was like really getting to me. I don't know if the NFL network cameras show that differently than any others, but I don't know. These are, these are the things I think about when I'm sitting with a group of friends watching a football game about to go to a wedding. Uh, and to be fair, that's what I was thinking about. They were thinking about, uh, seven leg parlays with uh, Tyler Boyd longest reception props thrown in there. So I'd still argue I come out on the better end of the sicko spectrum here, but I was thrown off by the socks. I will say otherwise great uniform game. Couldn't agree more. Uh, that will lead us into head scratchers. And there are a few headlines nowadays in the national football league or anywhere that can really jar me and make me do a quintuple take because I feel like as a society, we've seen a lot in the past, you know, decade or so. A lot has gone down in this country. And as such, like nothing can really shock me anymore. Uh, but when I read the headline, Matt Patricia to call plays for the Eagles defense this week, that is jarring because I think we've learned that Matt Patricia is a powder keg, to say the very least, over the last few years. You give that guy top-tier responsibility, anything can happen. Uh, and to top it off, he called offensive plays last year for the first time in his career. So maybe the theory is let's get back to his roots here. Let's give Matt Patricia control of the defense and see how it goes. But I thought it was known that, like, this guy was only going to get figurehead jobs from this time out, you know, special assistant gigs. Maybe he would like coach a very specific position group to hand over control of an entire unit to Matt Patricia after what we've seen the last few years is a, Hey, I'll keep an open mind to it, but I'm scratching my head over it. Cause I see this ending badly. And yes. just the fact that I was, I, I haven't been more surprised by a headline all year. I know the Eagles defense has struggled. Matt Patricia's you're off. Like that's the way you're going to fix it. It can't be the counter. Yeah. That can't be the counter. The Eagles, the Eagles are existing right now like they're they're a four nine team that's like trying to like get it done. That's trying to get a bounce back. To be honest, that was the first time I really worried about the Eagles when I saw the Matt Patricia headline. But you're right, because then I was like, oh wait, now the whole like flopping on the ground trying not to fumble thing looks weird too. They do look really desperate. All they did was lose two games in a row to the other two best teams in the NFC. Like, get over it. <laughs> You're the defending NFC champs. Get it together. Yeah, it's kind of a problem. Uh, they're, they're kind of head cases right now. It's scary. Uh, Joe, I'm going to be honest. There's nothing 
There's nothing scratching my head. And you did bring up a very interesting one. Uh, what is what is going on in New York? <laughs> What's nothing going good. on? What's going on? And it's it's not just short-term, Jackson. It's long-term. Jets are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. However, Aaron Rodgers is is back to practice. Uh, Robert Sala says, uh, I've never seen anything like it. He looks exactly the same. Uh, and he might still play, even though the Jets lost 30 to nothing and uh, don't have any hope or redeeming qualities or uh, need to do anything. Uh, apparently... Uh, Wait, what is this? Uh, there was a headline from Wisconsin Sports Heroics uh, saying Rogers was involved in an altercation during the loss. Uh, a heated sideline discussion with star wideout Garrett Wilson. Oh, Not yeah. We saw that. The cameras picked that up. That's been everywhere. There's also been shots everywhere of Rogers shaking his head in disdain as they, uh, you know, don't score again. But, yeah. You, you do leave out the one, maybe the biggest head-scratcher of Aaron Rodgers this week uh, because you want to talk about uh, headlines and or tweets that will uh, make you do a quintuple take. Aaron Rodgers gets one-hand interception as defensive back on the Jets scout team is up there in terms of the craziest things you'll see all year. I'm sorry. Excuse me? <laughs> your, your good friend and mentor, Rich Samini, is the one that reported this from Jets practice this week. That's so sick. Uh, no, my, <laughs> my, question, my question is, like, where does this whole sh- charade go from here? Uh, where do we where do we take this? Because there's a non-zero chance Salah gets fired. There's a, in my mind, slightly more likely chance Joe Douglas gets fired. And at that point, what are you keeping Rodgers around? Like, is, is your head coach or your GM's next assignment to make Rodgers work? Because if it is, like, how much are you going to placate to Rodgers? How, how much of – how much say does Aaron Rodgers get in the uh, roster building uh, responsibility? Because Rodgers is kind of bad at, at roster building. Alan Lazard's been a healthy scratch. Um uh, <laughs> Randall Cobb's averaging like 25 yards a game. Uh, Tim Boyle got cut. Like, they're not very good at building rosters when Aaron Rodgers has a say. And if I were the Jets, I would want to cut bait. And I I made this like kind of at the start of the 21 season. In the 20, sorry, in the 22 season preview, I called the Jets quarterback uh, role, just this Sisyphean punishment, like this Sisyphus roll the boulder up the mountain, have it crash down. Called the 23 preview of the Jets, uh, said they felt like the first act of a horror movie. Uh, Just starting to combine all these things together, uh, the Rodgers thing now just feels like some cosmic punishment. Uh, Like, he's too big a name for you to just get rid of. He's done nothing for your team but just kind of exist and draw headlines, which in some ways helps out Zach Wilson by just taking heat off him. But 
if you get fired, if, if, if the Jets decide to clean house, which because of the situation, they may not. I, yeah, I was going to say, I think because Salah kind of tied his fate to Aaron Rodgers, they, they ride out the Salah-Rodgers combo one more year, and that could go disastrously wrong. Or in some perverse world, maybe it goes right, and we're talking about the Jets in the playoffs for the first time since, as my uh, underlying uh, headline here on the screen says, Last time they made the uh, the playoffs, a song about literal Jets was uh, on the charts, and it's uh, Far East's Like a G6, if you remember that from your middle school days. Far East Movement. Far East uh, Movement, excuse me. Get it right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, it's just crazy that that would be the move to make. Uh, there's nothing beneficial about that. I don't know. Uh I'm concerned. Gonna say it, I'm concerned. Very fair. Uh, One more honorable mention, head scratcher, but just because it's been basically a head scratcher every week is uh, Tyler Algier and Johnny Smith out touching Bijan, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts in uh, the Falcons game yesterday. One fumble. Sorry, Bijan, you're on the bench. But you know what? We've had that as a head scratcher every week. Arthur Smith's. snap management, decision-making, overall tenure as a head coach. Uh, you want to talk about guys that are fired? Arthur Smith's fired. Sorry, bud. They they gave him the vote of confidence, which makes it seem like he's not, but we'll see. That's exactly what makes it seem like he is fired. I know that's the classic MO. <laughs> it's the kiss of death right there is what that is. He's, he's history, pal. Uh Brandon Staley was expressing votes of confidence in himself mere hours before he was fired this week. So I don't, I know it's different coming from ownership than it is from the horse's mouth, but that any, any talk about potential firing is, is bad news if you're a coach. So we'll see how that one turns out, but let's shift our focus to Monday night because it is a consequential game. And obviously we don't want to spend too long on it. Uh, but Eagle Seahawks coming up in a matter of hours here. You want to make the case that the Seahawks could win? I mean, we haven't really seen Jalen Hurts updates today, have we? Should we start there? Yeah, the weird, the illness thing's weird. Like, I'd very much like to see Marcus Mariota Eagles and the Matt Patricia coached Eagles defense. Uh, It'd make for something entertaining. Uh, We'd get close to, like, I don't know if we've crossed 60 NFL starters yet. We're getting close. I think the record's 62, and Mariota would just add to that. Uh, I'd love to see it uh, in a weird, sick, and twisted way. Uh, Seahawks' defense being the problem makes it interesting to me to think about uh, just A.J. Brown – like how they're going to cover him, how they're going to cover Donovan Smith, how they're going to deal with uh, just a pretty elite running back room. It'll be interesting to see how those things kind of shake out. But we'd already touched on it. I'm getting a little worried about the Eagles. So I don't know which way this game is going to go. I think, personally, it would be very funny if this part specifically isn't funny. But if Hertz was so sick that he couldn't play and they go to Marcus Mariota 
and Marcus Mariota plays and Matt Patricia coaches and they just beat the Seahawks, I think that's the funniest outcome. It's pretty good. Can't lie. Uh, man, I all I'm seeing on Jalen Hurts is like he's probably going to try to play, but he might literally throw up at the 50-yard line, a la Donovan McNabb, other famous Eagles quarterback puke situation. So We love referential bits. Yeah. With that, with that in mind, I'll give uh, I'll give the Seahawks a an eighteen percent chance of winning this game. Keep in mind, Geno Smith also hurt right now, more likely to play than Hurts, and Hurts seems like he's pretty likely to play. So this is probably all much ado about nothing. But there is there is definitely a world. I forgot where, about the Drew the Drew Lock contingency in this. Yeah, there is definitely a world where by like ten minutes left in the second quarter, we're talking about uh, Drew Lock versus Marcus Mariota. So. Buckle the chin straps. Could be in for a very uh, slow and preposterous type of Monday Night Football game. But as of right now, going 18% on my Seahawks chances to win this game. Jacks. Cheap, 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 cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Man, next week is the weirdest schedule of the year, and I couldn't be more excited about it. Who's, uh, whose turn is it? Uh, let's, that's a good question. Uh, last time out was... I can just go to you because I think this is a very interesting week. I think that's right because yeah, you when when Nolan was on two episodes ago, uh, myself and Nolan were answering, so that means I should be answering today. Yes. Uh. All right. Well, Jackson, we're hard capping at forty dollars, which gives us one, two, three, four, five games to work with. I'll give you the games we're just missing out on, uh, which are in the $40 range. Uh, Cleveland, Houston at 49 and New England, Denver at 48 So you're welcome, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, for a $1 difference, couldn't be farther apart in terms yeah. of actual implications. But I'll go in ascending order. There are three games at $24, and they're – it makes sense why they're $24. The Indianapolis Colts at the Atlanta Falcons. The Washington Commanders at the New York Jets. And the Arizona Cardinals at the Chicago Bears. All cheap seats regulars. Don't make that noise. Don't make that noise, please. Uh, it's a pain. $20, $28. Seattle Seahawks at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and with Will Levis going to the cart, I don't know if he, or he went in the blue medical tent, so I'm throwing a helmet. I don't know if he came back. I don't know what his status looks like for this week. But Drew Locke, Malik Willis would be a sight to see. I'm sure Geno Smith would be healthy by that point, but still. $36. Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love at the Carolina Panthers. Oh. And finally, Jackson. If you really want to shell out some big bucks, you couldn't have, I couldn't have begun to predict that this would be a cheap seeds game if we like projected the start of the season. The Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles Chargers. Man. <laughs> On Saturday, right? On That's Saturday. the Saturday option. Saturday. Oh my gosh. I don't like him. I don't like any of them. Uh, so the let's let's start throwing them out. I'm throwing out Green Bay, Carolina, 
you can't, first of all, you can't tell me there's a cheaper option than $36 to a Carolina home game this week when 45 cent tickets were going around the internet earlier this week. What the, what are they Give thinking trying days. to charge 36 right now? What are the, Give me a couple days. What's going on there? Yeah, I, I could see the prices dropping, but I don't care. You couldn't pay me. Christmas Eve? <laughs> You're spending Christmas Eve with the Carolina Panthers? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of sick, though. That the uh, the uh, what's that consonants there or alliteration? Maybe I guess it's alliteration. So yeah, yeah. Christmas in Carolina. No, cons- no consonants is right. Alliterations with vowels. I guess it's the no, same. It is alliteration. Uh, so I'm throwing that one out first. I'm throwing out Washington, New York, because I just you can't make me. You can't make me go watch the Jets, even if Aaron Rodgers plays. Frankly. Uh, I'll watch that one from the. Couch. Would you play if it? Would you go if Aaron Rodgers played corner? I'm interested in that one. <laughs> sure. That's worth twenty four dollars. Yeah, I agree. Uh, not going to happen. Won't. Can't make me watch that one. Uh, Indy Atlanta. I'm keeping around because both those teams are in the playoff picture. Toss in Arizona, Chicago. Bye bye. Uh, I'd argue LA. that is. I'm gonna. I don't want to interrupt you. I would argue that is sneaky. The best game on. Like when you break it, like I like I get when I get you look it. at face value, it's two of the bottom five teams in the league. But like Kyler Murray versus Justin Fields, loaded group, uh, a lot of offensive firepower in here. It's sneaky good. I'm not picking it, but it's sneaky good. Again, though, you're talking about spending Christmas Eve with the Chicago Bears in probably 20 degree weather. And this one's like Panthers games at one o'clock. This this yeah. one's four twenty five. You're straight up missing up dinner. dinner. Yeah, you're missing family festivities to go to this game. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, the one o'clock uh, Indy Atlanta option is on the table, and the avoiding Christmas Eve conflict Buffalo Chargers game is on the table. The rest are out. Sorry, Seattle Tennessee. Uh, so with that in mind, because I do actually want to spend Christmas Eve with my family, I'll shell out the thirty seven bucks to go see Buffalo womp on the LA Chargers. Uh and I won't like it, but it'll be it'll be a good sacrifice for me to get to see my family on Christmas Eve. And I will uh be curious to just see like what the fallout of it all is with LA after the season. Like how much do they continue to blow it up? Who's back on this team besides Justin Herbert next year? Because the rest of it is a big fat question mark. And they will get absolutely pummeled in this one and it won't lead to any more answers. I do think that uh, if I had to pick a best of the rest, it would be uh, it would be Colts Falcons for the playoff implications, or uh, Arizona Chicago for the fireworks. But you can't tell me that it, there's not a, a better, funnier option out there than the Buffalo Bills taking uh, the league the AFC lead in point differential uh, after this game because uh, Baltimore and Miami have some tough contests. Uh, in Probably Rome. still be the eight seed after they win this one. We'll still be talking about the Bills on the outside looking in. I, I'd like government intervention if the Bills miss the playoffs. Good luck. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. We are at – we're 19 seconds from the two-hour mark, folks. We did it. We wrapped up in approximately two hours. We can round down. That was a banger of a podcast, Kale. Appreciate the time. Today. Right it was. The 
just the thought that went into fixer uppers, the thought that went into buy or sell. That's that's what we came here for. So proud of us, proud of you. Uh, and what do we have to look forward to for the remainder of the season? What's what's you know on the TMB docket for the future? I mean, who knows when we're recording next that's week? A great question. <laughs> we don't have an answer yet. No, it'll time. probably we'll probably shoot for like a Tuesday night. It'll be a Wednesday morning blitz, maybe if it works for you. Might I don't be. know what your travel schedule is, but we'll figure something out. Maybe we do a little lighter week. We do some more fun games. We try and come up with some analogies. Work on something to uh, to make this a fun little holiday pod. Because the next two weeks, calendar couldn't have broken worse for us in terms of holidays and schedule. So. Sure couldn't. Although, is New Year's really a holiday? I contend no. But regardless, we're not recording on New Year's, so exactly totally understand. Good stuff. Good stuff, buddy. Uh, I think that's all we've got to handle, but we have many more fun games down the pipeline. So stay tuned, folks. We're going to continue to get weird with it. That's what you know us for. That's what you love us for. We'll keep delivering. Promises kept. For Kale, I am Jackson. We will see you next Tuesday. See ya! Thank you.